0: Welcome to Kensington Church. My name is Greg. We are so excited that you joined us online today. We have an amazing service for you. The musical elements, the message, it's all going to be great. We're going to hear from our lead pastor, Patrick Holden, and the band really does have some um, exciting moments for us. Hey, and I want to say a special thank you to all of you who share our content online. There's three ways to tag us in your social media posts, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. So we are just about to get started. Let's get going.
1: Hey, brother, there's an endless road to rediscover. Hey, sister, know the waters sweep, but blood is thicker. nothing in this world I wouldn't do hey brother do you still believe in one another Oh. No.
0: One more time for the band. And I wish I was as cool as Keaton, too, on the electric guitar, but I'll have to work toward that. I'm just in my plaid. He's so cool. Hey, we are so excited that you are here today. My name is Greg, and I have the pleasure of serving on staff here at Kensington Church. And that song was all about the importance of family, and we are in week two of our series called It's Just a Phase. And today we're talking specifically about how important our time together is is and how short and precious it really is so we are excited that you're here and if it is your first time here uh, an extra special welcome to you and hey you could go to startingpoint.today if it's your first time and you want to find out more about our church you go to startingpoint.today and start that conversation well we're going to be together for about 70 minutes we're going to hear from our lead pastor Patrick Holden and the band has some more incredible music so get ready for that, we have uh, a service coming up this Wednesday called Render, and let's take uh, just a quick um, look at the screens to some, for some highlights for that. So for those of you who haven't attended Render yet, you see these cards on your seat, uh, you can grab one of these and it'll just be a reminder or you can use it to invite a friend. But Render is a worship service that we put on monthly and it's just one of our ways how to make a, a big church. Feel a lot smaller. We actually meet across the hall in the student room. Again, it's a time of singing. Uh, We'll hear a message from Patrick. We actually take communion together uh, and there's an intentional time of connection afterwards. So I'd love to see you all there for our render service on Wednesday. You won't want to miss it. The second thing I want to highlight today is we have a Euchre night coming up to support our teens who are headed to New York City. I know I grew up in Michigan, so I know the importance of Euchre. I've lived a few other places in the United States, and they just don't appreciate the awesomeness of Euchre. So... We want to throw a a great big party, but it's all uh, to benefit the students going to New York City. So you can find out more in your program, or you can go actually out and talk to Joe Leal, our student director, in the lobby, and he'll tell you all about it. I know for me, in high school, the trips that I took with my youth group were some of the most formative trips for my spiritual development. So we'd love for you to come and play cards for a good cause. Well, at this time, I'd love for everyone to stand up and give a high five and a handshake to those around you. And you can ask this question, what is your favorite card game or board game to play with your family? Mine is probably Yeti in my spaghetti.
2: Hey, everybody, this is Patrick, and I just wanted to say thanks again for watching our service today online and being a part of this community. Now, we know that you might have some questions as you watch the service today and want to find out a little bit more information about who we are. And so we've created an environment for you to do just that. Simply go to startingpoint.today, that's startingpoint.today, and fill out that short form, and one of our staff members will reach out to you very shortly and answer any questions that you have about our church and about who we are. Again, thanks so much for watching. We'll be back at the end of the service today. Uh, to give you a little bit more information, but we'll see you here in just a few minutes.
3: everybody. For those who don't know, my name is Carrie, and I am a worship leader here. And some of you may not know, but I'm a mother, too. So this particular series that Pastor Patrick is talking about is super beneficial for me in this season of my life. I have a 13-year-old, and I also have a 26-year-old. So I find myself in vastly different phases at every point of the way during parenting, and honestly, guys, it seems to bring out this insecurity, and I don't know about you guys as parents, but it seems to bring out this insecurity in me that I I know that I'm a wounded and imperfect individual in desperate need of God's grace, but it tends to translate that I am an imperfect parent not fit for the role. And so, transparently, I just seem to detach from my kids, and I hate that part about me, but honestly, I am seeking the Lord, and I am seeking his word, and I love 2 Corinthians 1:20 20 through 22, and it says, "'Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus.'" In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. And by his spirit, not by our might, but by his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. And we are going to sing a song right now that is based on that scripture. It's called Yes and Amen. And, you know, if you are struggling with things in your life, it doesn't have to really necessarily be parenting. But let's sing that from a place where we know that God's promises to us to equip us, to prepare us for whatever role that we're in, whatever phase that we're in. He has equipped us and his promises are always yes and amen.
4: Darkness, you fill me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but see
2: One thing I love about what Carrie just said, and I I love that because I think it just really paints a picture for all of us, is that we are all broken and imperfect people. Isn't that right? I mean, the one thing that unites every single person in this room is that we don't have it all together. And if you're a parent, you're like doubly yes, right? Like that's all of us in the room, and we're all trying to figure that out together. And so I just want to say thank you so much for saying that and for singing with us. You can go ahead and have a seat. Probably I should have opened with that. Some of you are like, I'm ready to sit down. Thanks so much. Uh, Hey, my name is Patrick, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here. And again, if it's your first time, we just want to say welcome. Uh, So glad that you're here. So glad that you're joining us today. And uh, uh, it's going to be a fun day. We're doing uh, we're in the middle of a series called "It's Just a Phase," and I'll be telling you a little bit more about that uh, over the next few minutes. Uh, But before we do that, I want to go ahead and invite our ushers to move forward. Uh, We're going to receive our offering, and uh, I just want to say again, I think I say this every week, so sometimes it feels kind of odd because I do say something similar every week. But I, I always say thank you, and the reason that I say thank you you, uh, for those of you who give, is because we know that not only what we do here, but what we do all throughout our community is possible uh, because of people just like you who partner with us, who sacrificially give, Um, and and so we just wanted to say thank you so much, and uh, if you're new to giving or you're like, I've been trying to figure out... Do I put it in the blue pouch, or how does that work? There's a couple ways that you can give. Uh, You can do that on our app, our website, or text. Those are really the easiest ways to do that. Um, And uh, and so you can do that, or you can obviously give here in our service as well. But we just want to say thank you so much uh, for doing that. And then one thing I wanted to tell you, too, is oftentimes people are going, well, where does does the money go? You know, there's the services and all that stuff, but what happens with it? Uh, And and so one of the areas that uh, happens when you give is you give really to what we do locally, but you also give globally. Uh, And so a lot of you give, and one of the areas that you've been giving towards, whether you knew it or not, uh, was an environment called Safe Harbor, which is a local homeless shelter here uh, in the area. And real quick, how many of you guys served or, and ladies served this this past week? Anybody serve? A lot of you guys served this past week? That's amazing. In fact, we have some pictures. I wanted you to see this. Uh, these are a few pictures that we have. Abby, right here on the front row, she's a, what do you, it's not a hairstylist. What do you call yourself? Hair person. A beautician. That's better. I've never called the person who cuts my hair a beautician, but I think that's great. I think that's probably the official way to say that. What if I did? I'm trying to imagine walking into sports clips and having that conversation. Anyway, so one thing we did uh, throughout, the, uh, throughout this series or throughout the, the last week is Abby actually cut people's hair um, at, at this homeless shelter, which is an amazing, amazing thing. A lot of you served food. A lot of you stayed through the night, which was an amazing thing. Now, and the stories that have come out of this are incredible. So we averaged uh, over 60 people every night that came uh, and stayed here. We told you a couple of those stories uh, last week. Uh, And then you also gave to this as well. And so what I wanted to say to you is thank you so much. We believe with all of our hearts that the local church isn't just about this building. In fact, The local church is minimally about this building. It's really about how we go into the community uh, and make an impact. And so I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of that, for serving, for giving, for showing up, for staying up all night, for drinking nine cups of coffee to do that. Uh, Whatever that took, we just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, And then the other thing I wanted to say uh, before we jump into the service uh, is this past week has been uh, a difficult week for a lot of us, um, and obviously, um, if you you know have a cell phone or TV or anything, you you've been privy uh, to what's been going on throughout this past week in terms of that school shooting uh, that happened. And uh, I didn't want to go throughout the day without acknowledging a little bit about that. And uh, and and when anything like that happens, and we've talked about uh, too many of these uh, over the past. Uh, I guess we've been here about a year and a half, and and I've stood on stage several times. I think actually week three uh, that I was here, we stood on stage, and we talked about a shooting, and I've been thinking about this a ton, Uh, and I'm also on social media, so I, you know, Facebook, Twitter, articles, blog posts, everything just blew up this past week specifically around this. You find people on so many different sides of arguments about it, and maybe it's this, and maybe it's this, and this is how we fix it, those kinds of things. But I think as I've uh, kind of looked over the past week, a couple of thoughts just popped in my head uh, for those of us who would say that we are followers of Jesus. Um, number one, what I hope for us, and I know this sounds odd to say, but what I hope for us is that after you know a year and a half, two years, five years, ten years, however this has been going on, you know, I hope we still find ourselves very brokenhearted and emotionally engaged in these moments, right? Because it can be uh, very easy for us to see you know, pictures and those kinds of things, but see it so much uh, that we figure out a way in our minds and our hearts to emotionally disengage. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, uh, I think scripture really paints a clear picture that we are to lean into those moments emotionally, and we're to lean into that brokenness and lean into it uh, and, and feel the full weight of what that is. And then the second thing that I would say— um, to us and and then i want to pray um, is this that oftentimes people think that christianity and you, you've actually probably heard this over the last you know week or two that christianity is really passive when it comes to these sorts of things right that that christians you know you know They just – thoughts and prayers, that's actually been kind of a hot-button issue. We just send our thoughts and our prayers and that sort of thing. And here's what I would say is I think that's incredibly powerful, and I think we should. right? If you're not thinking about it and you're not praying about it and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I think there's a disconnect. right? So I think you should, and I think that's incredibly powerful. The other thing that I would say to you is this, that when it comes to anything that matters, whether it be this or other things, I don't think Christians are ever, ever, ever called to just be silent. I just don't think that's the case. I don't think God ever attended us. Just to be passive. And so here's what I want to say. There's, you know, there's multiple facets and there's not one fixable, you know, like one fixed thing that we could necessarily do. But here's what I hope for our church is I hope that as you are thinking about and feeling the weight of it, and I hope as you're praying about it and you're navigating all that, what I hope for us, right? No matter where you fall on, you know, political stuff, anything like that, what I hope for us is that we are involved in making our world a better place. That we were involved in, in being God's hands and feet to bring about the redemption that he desires for all people, all mankind, in all facets of our country, and all facets of our world. And whatever that looks like for you, there's a lot of ways that we could talk about it. And I hope even in our church that we do this sometimes, that we're pushing and disagreeing, and I don't know if I agree with that. Or that. I, th- I think that's how it should be. But what I hope for us is that we're never disengaged and we're never passive. I hope that it's never, been, I hope that it's never able to say... The followers of Jesus just simply sit back and do nothing, All right? Now, what that means for you and what that looks like, I think there's a thousand different ways that you can do it. But what I hope for us, and when it comes to things that matter, that we're involved, and we have thoughts, and we pray, but we find ourselves in the middle of bringing redemption to our world. Because I think that's what God called us to do, more than he called us to show up to buildings like this and just attend. So what I want to do is I want to pray. And uh, I want to pray for the families. I want to pray for us. uh, And I just want to just take a moment and live in what's happened this past week uh, and be a part of that. So let's pray together. Father, we we come to you as all people in this room, uh, even those of us who, you know, wouldn't call ourselves Christians or, you know, on a journey towards faith. God, we know that every single one of us is broken and we all need something that's that's more than ourselves. God, we need you. And Father, I just ask uh, for us that we would never find ourselves emotionally detached or emotionally disengaged. God, I ask for us uh, as a church that we would never find ourselves passive in those kinds of things. But God, I ask that in, in every part that you called us To do, God, in in every situation that's difficult or painful or anywhere that there is suffering, God, that you would prompt us and you would lead us to lean into that brokenness, to both feel it fully and at the same time be a part of the solution. Father, I ask of everybody that calls this place home that that it would never, ever, ever, ever be said of us that we were just passive and that we sat back. But God, that we were involved, whatever that looked like, to bring redemption to our world. Father, we pray for every family that's been affected by this. Uh, God, we know that you are close to the brokenhearted. God, we know that you are close to those who are suffering. And God, we know that you are even present in all of the doubts and difficulties that so many people have when something like this happens. So, Father, we ask above all else that you would come in power and you would come in might and you would come in comfort and and in love and this beautiful love that surround every single family that's affected by this, and surrounding our nation, God, that you would allow us to sense a movement of your power through love. It's in Jesus' name. We pray. All right, so uh, today again we are in the middle of a series called "It's Just a Phase." And so what I've told you throughout this series, is if you are a parent in the room, we're talking specifically to you. If you're not a parent in the room, uh, we're talking to you as well. So all the single people that are really thankful they don't have kids, we're talking to you throughout this. And then every empty nester, I'm going to tell you, I've been telling you through the series. I'm talking specifically today at the end, uh, specifically to empty nesters uh, today. So we're going to be talking to you uh, as well. Um, and then we're also talking. Probably my favorite person to talk to in the room is all the crazy uncles in the room. So do we have have any of the crazy uncles, just so we can all be clear, are they out there? Where's Any crazy uncles out there? Fantastic. <laughs> Tom's like, score, yes. I'm excited. We're talking to you uh, as well. And to get us thinking about what we're talking about today, though, I have a, a, we have a quick video uh, that we want to show you that really gets after this idea that all of this, in some ways, is temporary, and we need to be mindful of that. So let's watch this video together.
3: Oh, look! Look! She took her first look at step. Her. Have a great day, sweetie. I hope she'll be okay.
1: Oh, she'll be fine. All right, hold still, honey. Here we go. Yeah, there it is. Okay, let's take a look. Oh, it's not too bad. Just a scratch.
3: I think she needs stitches. Stop. I know. I know. I'm so sorry, honey girls can be mean. Be careful. And remember, everyone out there is an idiot. Oh. oh. honey, you look so beautiful. What's his name? Seriously? Oh, Look at you. My goodness. Honey,
1: we're really proud of you. Okay, you're gonna do
2: great.
3: I'll FaceTime you around four every day.
2: <laughs> we'll see about that. Are you okay?
3: Yeah, I'll I'll be fine. It just went so fast. I know.
2: I know. Alright, now if it's your first time, or if you're joining us for the first time, or if you're watching online for the first time, I wanted to just get us all caught up, because what we do uh, week in and week out is we approach our series as if they're kind of like a Netflix TV show, so there's like a whole series of episodes, and if you walk in kind of in the middle, we'll get you caught up, uh, but you know, you're kind of walking into the middle of a story, and, uh, and so what we started last week was this series called It's Just a Face, and what we've been saying is that when it comes to parenting, when it comes to being a part of your family, there are these rhythmic Make sort of phases that happen all throughout your family, right? Like there's this, you know, childhood sort of phase, you know, eventually they go into elementary and middle school and high school, and then families start praying a whole lot more in middle school and high school. It's fantastic. You know, all these sorts of things begin to happen. And then eventually your son or daughter goes off to college. And then all of a sudden it's a completely different world. It's a completely different way of looking at all that. And we based all of these things off of one primary idea that I want to just make sure we're on the same page with before we even Jump in, and that's this: that no family is perfect, right? Am I right about that? No family is perfect, yeah. Right, now, here's how you know that. If you're disagreeing with me and you think that your family is perfect, here's my question for you. Have you ever taken a picture with your family or tried to take a picture with your family? Real quick. Anybody ever tried to rally like your grandma and your uncles and your kids and your toddlers and then all of a sudden at the end of it, you're like, I think I'm just done with all this. You know what I'm talking about? Like you feel the weight of it. If you're trying to get everybody together, you know, uh, my my family, uh, it was always just me and my mom growing up. Uh, and so, you know, some of that was easy and then when I got married uh, or actually when I started. Of dating emily the first time that i went to travel her family lived in ohio so emily is one of five kids right so five kids two parents and then baba who's a grandmother joan who's a grandmother and then her other grandfather i forgot his name and then uh that's great just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just kidding and then all these sort of things and they all came together right and and all of a sudden i'm the most introverted person i'm like you know I walk in, there's 12 people at the house, and it was around Christmas time, and here's what happened, right? They said, hey, let's all get to the, the family Christmas tree, let's all gather up and take a picture. Now, in our in our household, what that meant was about 37 seconds of pictures, and then, because my mom, you know, she's a perfectionist, she's like, we would take 12 of them, but it would take us about 37 seconds to get the pictures done. With Emily's family, and I love this, we would all gather around the tree, and then there was placement, and we had to get everybody in, and then that person wasn't smiling, and then that person person was intentionally making a funny face. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a three-year-old doing this in the back. And, and all of these things were going on. It was the most fun, you know, sort of situation. But I looked at her dad throughout all this. And I love it. His name is Mark. I'm looking at Mark and he's a photographer. He's a professional photographer. So he does this for a living and he has to gather families all the time. And so he's taking the picture and he would every single time after like each take, because it took about five minutes, I would see him walk and it was just like this slight defeated walk back to the camera. You know what Because that's kind of how that works, right? It's it's, it's difficult to get everybody together and everybody's having fun and that sort of thing. Now, some of you during picture time, you know your family's not perfect because you feel the weight of it and you feel angsty in those moments, right? Anytime you have a toddler, you think, you know, I'm not sure about parenting, but I'd still believe I'm going to be a good person, Right. And then about six months in, you're like, I'm still not sure about parenting, and now I know I'm not a good person. You know, like you feel all of those kinds of things, right? When you, when you have teenagers and you start, you know, driving and the whole deal around that, you feel the weight around what does it look like to transfer this knowledge to my son or daughter who could quite literally – Have a wreck at any moment. How do you navigate all those things? And then, real quick, how many of you are dads of girls? Do we have any dads of girls out there? Right now, here's the thing: we know that you're not a perfect father simply because you are a father of girls, because you've already thought about all the ways you're going to beat up whoever they date. Right? That's just how you did it. Yes. Right? He's even got the big beard. I love it. Right? So he's feeling all those sorts of things. No family is perfect. Now, if we can get around that to start things off, if we we pause there and go, okay, no matter what your faith thing is, no matter what you believe about God or Jesus, we all say, hey, no family is perfect, right? And what we can begin to do is begin to start to look at how do we take steps forward to make sure that it's more healthy, right? Because the other thing that I know about you and your family is that there are moments where it feels healthy, and then there are moments where it feels extraordinarily disconnected and unhealthy. And so what we talked about last week was this. We looked at a passage of Scripture and we said that ultimately, like thousands of years ago, there was this way of thinking and this way of humanity that says you don't have to be perfect, right? And not only do you not have to be perfect because you're never going to be perfect, you're not in this alone, right? And the the faith community that we looked at, you know, long time ago, this is Moses that we were looking at, long time ago, the faith community was essentially going, hey, in this new way forward, in this new approach, no one walks alone. That there are combined influences that come around a child. That the ultimate responsibility of the spiritual development of a son or a daughter or a kid is ultimately the parent, but... There shouldn't be parents that are trying to do it alone. And so we said this last week. We said two combined influences will make a greater impact than just two influences, right? And this is a guy named Reggie Joyner who's this architect around family ministries and how to approach all that. In fact, so much of this he, he kind of came up with, and the phrasing is so good. But he said two combined influences make a greater impact than just two influences. And we built our entire church, you know, family ministries thing off of this statement. That any parent who comes through our doors should be partnered with somebody who's coming alongside of them and walking them through an entire season of their life. Now, the other thing that I feel like we could get around along these lines, that we're going to kind of launch out of from today, is this statement right here, and that's this. That we all have a clear image of what a family should look like, right? That when it comes to your family, when it comes to your life, most of us have a clear image of what family should look like, but most of us come from a family that is actually full of brokenness right now what i want you to do for just like 30 seconds or a minute if we could is i want you in your mind to rewind back all the way to like sixth or seventh grade can we do that right so for all of you 90s kids i want you to rewind all the way back to when you had slightly highlighted hair you know what i mean and you were you know going to school dances for those of you who grew up in the 80s i want you to go all the way back to when you had like this much hair? Do you remember this? And you were going to prom. Right? I want you to remind all the way back to whatever middle school was for you—that sixth or seventh grade—and what I want you to do for the next just thirty seconds, right? Is I want you just to think about like the highlights of your family, right? Or the things that you love and traditions. But I want you to keep this in the forefront of your mind as, as we start talking—the highlights and the traditions. And I also want you to think about the brokenness that you felt, or that you sensed and you saw in your parents, right? Now think about holding both of those kind of together. Now you may have had the best dad in the world, but there was some sort of brokenness that you sensed within him, right? And you may have had the best mom in the world, but at times maybe it felt like manipulative and it wasn't quite the way it should be. And there were times that even if your parents in front of you seemed like they were perfect, you might have heard them fighting in those moments. Some of you your parents split before middle school and all of that began to happen. But what's so interesting about the 6th to 7th grade time period is you begin to see the world in a way where you see yourself within it and within the brokenness. And somewhere along that time period, right? And this is true if you have middle schoolers today. Somewhere along that time period, 6th 7th, 8th grade kind of time period. What happens is they begin to place themselves in the midst of the brokenness and see what family could and what they feel like families should look like. And for those of us who are parents, for those of us who are small group leaders, for those of us who have walked through that season, now we're on the side of it and we're kind of evaluating where we're at. And for all of the crazy uncles in the world, right, there's something that we feel and know and want, and that's this, that amongst all the brokenness, all of us want our kids to care about what matters most. Now, we define what matters most in different ways, depending on who we are and where we are in the world. But we want our kids to care about what matters most. In our church, what we believe, and what I so deeply believe, is what matters most isn't whether or not your kid makes it to the Olympics, right? And grades are super important, and that matters a lot. But what matters 100 years from now isn't going to be that they made straight A's every time. What's going to matter most... Is their spiritual development and who they become. Now, I want to make one more statement before we jump into the text, and I think this is really the, the the core sort of tension that we have to face as people who are influencers of kids. And that's that if what matters most is really at the forefront and are part of our minds, the tension with this is that when we find ourselves wanting this for our kids, we can't, as parents, make that happen. All right, we say it this way. that You can't make or force a kid to love God, have faith, or care about what matters most. Don't miss this. You can influence them. You can set up things around them. You can have conversations about faith and life and what it all looks like and what it could and should be and all those sorts of things. But you can't force a child to care about God, faith, or what matters most in their lives. Now, you can do a lot of things, but you can't force it. And some of you know this to be true because you had parents that tried to force you to do it. So real quick, I'm just kind of curious. I'm, I'm going to raise my hand to this one as well, so we'll all be in this together. How many of you grew up in an environment where your, your parents forced you to go to church? Anybody ever forced you to go to church? Now, keep your hands up for just a second. And and I, just for the record, I think you should do that. Right? I don't think you should, you know, keep them up. Now, um, here's, here's my question, though. How many of you as kids thought, I wish they wouldn't force me and I don't want to go to church at some point? Anybody? Yeah? Okay, that's great. Now put your hands down, right? Now here, here's what I'm thinking, right? And here's where we're going to launch from. Is your parents at some point or another probably forced you to, and that was a good thing. I think, depending on the church, maybe. But, right? They can't force you to have an authentic relationship with God. And so, some of you, when you hit 18, 19 years old, here's what you did. You got out and you went to college and you ran from all of it. And you ran from all of it until life broke you to the point where you couldn't run anymore. And, and faith and church and the whole thing was kind of a last-ditch effort to say, you know what, I hadn't figured it out yet, so we're going to do it. Or some of you did this. You, you got married, you, know, you went through whatever, you got married, and then you had kids, and your spouse looked at you and said, hey, this just feels like the thing to do. And so now your spouse and your kids drag you. But in your mind and in your heart, what you do is you're still disengaged from it all, because no one can force you to care about what matters most deeply and have a relationship with God. And so as parents, as influencers of kids and crazy uncles, we hold attention to create environments, right? And to create space in our homes and space in church and space in conversations to really help kids and students understand what faith is. But at the same time, holding the tension of knowing that you can't force it to happen And there's nothing you can do to force that. So what I want to do today is we're going to look at just really two verses. And these two verses paint a picture of what happens when you hold those two tensions together and you realize that they're both true. And we have to navigate that as influencers of kids. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, Psalm 90, verses 1 and then verse 12. And what this is, is this is actually a prayer of Moses that has been recorded and kind of outline in terms of what he said and what he prayed and, in terms of uh, looking at what future humanity could look like as he was casting vision around it. So here's what Moses prays, and, and I love how he starts this out. This is Psalm 90, verse 1. It says this. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Now, I wanted to start here because this is how he opens this prayer up, and I think it's so important how he opens it. What Moses is essentially saying is really focused around this idea of dwelling place. That at the end of the day, for our nation and for this picture of humanity that we're painting and for what it looks like in terms of our culture, we want to first acknowledge this, that home was where God was. So if you look at the Old Testament and you read through this narrative of this people group, what you find is a people group that are often displaced, often roaming in the wilderness. All these sorts of things are happening. And what happens is God continually showed showed up and showed up and showed up and showed up over and over again. That God provided for them. That God continually showed up. And the stories that they would tell were all about stories about being submissive to God. And so what Moses is talking about is this. That we could try to do it on our own. We could try to force things on our own. We could try to make things happen on our own. But Moses says this the home is where God is, that you have been our dwelling place, not just through my generation, but throughout all generations. And this has to be the point that we start when it comes to looking at future generations and how we pass on faith and what's most important. Because when you look at this, what you begin to discover is that where God shows up, when people come to God fully submissive and open-handed and saying, God, here's all of it. I'm going to trust you with it. When we recount the ups and the downs and when we find ourselves in the middle of what God is doing and what God's will is, it's like this dwelling place is all around us and we're in the middle of what God has called us to be. And as parents, if we're, we said this last week, if we're going to pass along faith, if we're going to pass along what matters most, we have to find ourselves in that first. And what Moses does next is he recounts or outlines like a series of statements and ideas that really get after the posture of how we're supposed to navigate our whole lives. And then 11 verses after this one. What he does is he says one of the most simple phrases I think in all of the Bible. One of the most rich and life-shaping statements we could ever look at. Here's what he says after he outlines all those things. He says this. He's talking to God and he says, teach us. Now this teach us idea is so incredibly important to a people group who often assumed that they can manipulate and know God by what they did. And what Moses comes into all of these cultures with is saying, if we're going to learn how to navigate Passing on faith and looking at the next generation and what our lives look like, then we have to start with open handed submission to God for His direction and His purpose in our lives. So here's what I say to you as parents, right? If you find yourself often reaching at control before you reach to God in terms of submission, then you're probably finding yourself at a place where you're not saying, God, teach us. A few nights ago, uh, Emily and I were talking, and we're having this, you know, conversation about parenting, and life, and this whole thing. And it struck me in the middle of it how how much we talked about it before we ever got to the place where we said, "What do you want?" You know. And part of that because life is busy. Part of that's because I assume that I'm smarter than I am, and that sort of thing. Uh, part of that is because we feel like we can just figure it out by conversations, but. But the starting point for all of this is coming to God open-handed and saying, look, we don't know. And we don't know what we don't know. We don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know what this is like for this specific kid. So God, teach us. So here's my question for those of you who are like parents like right now, and you've got toddlers at home, middle schoolers, high school, whatever that is. You, know, you have kids at home right now. My question for you is what would happen... If you simply followed what Moses is praying with this first phrase and said, before we are going to talk about it, we're going to choose to posture ourselves to ask God about it. Like, what would it look like if we came to God first and said, God, teach us, help us to understand. Before we ever got these long discussions and we got in all the book and all this kind of thing, what would happen if we started with that posture? Because this posture of submission throughout all the Bible is incredibly important. But when it comes to passing on faith and what matters most, It's a foundation block for it. And then he goes on, he says this. Teach us to number our days. Now, one of my favorite books is by a guy named Stephen Covey. Uh, He he wrote a book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's so good. And in that, he talks about beginning with the end in mind. Like you have this amount of time, you fast forward to the end, and then you look back and try to make values based off of what matters most in your life. Now, what I love about what Moses is really praying here is this. That he's acknowledging submission and coming to God, you know, with submission first. And then he's saying this, that I'm going to acknowledge right off the bat that this phase of parenting won't last forever. And that at the end of the day, our lives don't last forever. That our days are numbered. And that to come into parenting assuming anything else is a mistake. Because when you begin to understand that your days are numbered, the way that you approach the number of days that you have completely shifts. And it changes. Right? We can say it this way, and this is a quote that's kind of been shifted. A guy named Andy Stanley said a version of this, and we applied it to parenting, but it's this. Parenting is a gift of stewardship that is for a season. Right? I don't want you to miss this. That it is for a season, and in some ways it's temporary. But on the other side of this, it's also a stewardship. That you are held accountable for the way that you approach the number of days that you've been given to influence a child. That you are held accountable for what you do. You're held accountable for how you march into those days and assume whatever it is that you assume. You're held accountable for the ways that you're present with your kids. You're held accountable with the wisdom that you impart to your kids. You're held accountable, come on, as a parent, (laughs) to passing on faith to the next generation. And holding that tension that we talked about earlier so closely and so well. And then he wraps up this one phrase, and I love this. He says this. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, I think this prayer should be the prayer of every single person. If a small group leader, if a parent, crazy uncle, and if you're a grandparent in the room is when you acknowledge how much time that you have and that life is sort of a vapor, and when you acknowledge that each phase that you're in, you're held accountable for the way you steward it, and you acknowledge that it's temporary, what you find yourself asking for after that is wisdom. And that doesn't mean knowledge. That doesn't mean that I got it all right or that I figured it all out. But it's this posture of saying, God, help me to understand and know what it is that you're asking me to do. And then, help me to do it. Like, isn't your hope every single day that you'll be the kind of influencer, whether it be a parent, uncle, grandparent, somebody, who has such a heart of wisdom that you know how to navigate every single moment? Isn't your hope that you walk in as a grandparent and can influence your son or daughter who's now a parent? And you do it with wisdom in the way, don't miss this, in the way that you give wisdom, that they ultimately want to come back to you for more, right? That you want to navigate things that way? For those of you who, you know, you're single, and, but you, you, know, you have kids all around you, you have teens all around you, you have friends all around you. Isn't the goal that they come back to you later because what you said was helpful and wise? Those of you who are parents, come on, you have your daughter and, you know, she likes boys now. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Isn't the goal that she still tells you stuff? That you navigate that with wisdom and her unique personality and that you go into understanding that and moving through it? Isn't the goal that we understand the weight of what we're doing and we navigate it with wise decision making? Now, I think this, and this is, you know, it's kind of me. That we can get so wrapped up in the busyness and our jobs and how fast life moves and, you know, all those kinds of things. That we simply live our lives without pausing to pray and ask for this kind of wisdom. Because we haven't acknowledged that it's finite and temporary. Reggie Joyner makes this statement. I I keep it close by all the time. I think it's just a powerful statement. He says this. So when you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time you have now. Right? Don't miss this. When you see how much time you have left, you've got an 8-year-old. I mean, you've got like around 10 years left. You've got a 2-year-old. You've got 16-ish years left before they leave the house. You've got a 26-year-old. They've already left the house. But now you're looking at your age and, you know, how much time do I have left on earth? Like, how do I navigate that? You do more with the time that you have when you acknowledge that it's finite and you acknowledge that you're like, this is how much I have left. I want to show you this. I feel like you agree with it. But think about your watch, right? Now, most of us don't carry watches unless you're just kind of a watch geek like I am. You have it on your phone. But I want you to think about the way that you approach time in general. You don't just get out your watch and look at it and go, this is what time it is. You look at your watch or you look at your phone or you look at your spiffy Apple watch or whatever it is that you have. To tell you how much time you have left where you currently are before you need to get to the next place. Is that right? Like you check your watch to see, am I running late or am I going to get to where I need to go? That's how you do it. And then what do you do? You check the time and then you act afterwards. This is how we should parent. All right. Or think about it in terms of football, right? Let's talk about it in terms of sports. You think about like a big scoreboard on the board. Now what happens as you move through the game, right? Especially good games. The more that this clock ticks down, the more energy you often see in players. There's this angst and there's this urgency that's created when you acknowledge how much time you have. Now, here's the other side of this. and I love this. The amount of focus that individuals take in these sports games, right, as the clock begins to tick down, is extraordinarily important. You're not wasting any play. You're not wasting any time. I love watching football when they're trying to rush and get out of bounds. It's just so fun to watch. It's like he's running away from the goal just to get out of bounds so that he can have more time. So that you can manage that well. And the other one is this. As the clock gets less and less and less and less, what you find is passion. Right? Now, you can look at this by the time your son or daughter is a 17-year-old in a junior, senior, or high school. Or you can look at this when they're two or three years old. Or you can look at this for the first time when they're in elementary school. I don't know what that looks like for you. But I know for my life what I want to do is I want to look at this from birth and acknowledge that it's all finite and it's not forever. Now, I want you to look for a second at like a practical version of this. Um, this is a marble jar, and uh, these, are, these are so much fun. There are about 936 marbles in here. No, I did not count them, but they are, I promise. It's about how many weeks you have from the time a child is born until they graduate. About 936 weeks. Now, what Reggie talks about, which I think is so good, is, is that you take a marble jar and each week you take out a marble so you can actually have like a version and so you can kind of see how much time you actually have left, right? When you think about each one of these weeks, when you're at 934, it seems like you've got a lot of weeks, in part because you're not sleeping, right? But when you think about each one of these marbles, they go so quickly, right? Now, if you don't believe me, ask a parent who has a junior, senior in high school. And what do you always hear them say? It went by so fast. You ask anybody who's a grandparent, what do they say? That all went by so fast. But the days were long, but the years they were very short. Some of you are empty nesters, and you're like, that is so true. Now, depending on how many marbles you have left, oftentimes is how much we feel this intensity. I was talking to another pastor in the area. His name is Chris uh, down at Bayview Wesleyan. We were having lunch the other day. He's got a senior that he just dropped off in college this past year, and, and he's saying this. He goes, it was so hard for me, and I love how he said it. He said, it was so hard for me to drop off my boy at college. And we both sat there and kind of chuckled, right, my boy, who's... Infinitely bigger than he am. It could beat us both up with one hand, right? And I thought, he's, he's still your boy, isn't he? Like in my mind, I'm thinking, that's how you view him. You view him like all the marbles are still there. He said, I walked out of the dorm room, and the question that I asked myself was, did I tell him everything that he needed to know? And he know this. Of course he didn't. She can't. But if you put the time that you have in front of you, you're so much more likely to navigate that well. Some of you who are empty nesters and your kids are out of the house and, you know, maybe they even have kids of their own now. You're looking at an empty jar and what it feels like. And you realize this, that you're no longer the voice in their lives, but you are a voice in their lives. That's so important. But the way you navigate even an empty jar matters. The way you navigate being a grandparent absolutely matters. So I want to do something that's kind of gut-wrenching. Can we do something a little bit gut-wrenching? Because none of this has been yet, so it's great. I want to look at this. This is how many weeks you have in terms of Traverse City Schools until your kids graduate high school. I want you to think about this for a second. All the juniors and senior parents are really angry right now. You have this amount of weeks left. Before they graduate. And what I want you to feel and know as you look at this, right, is how important these weeks are. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. It, it, what matters most is not what you've done up to this point, but what it is that you're going to do now. Some of it, you you have a 12th grader and 17 weeks into it, and you've never, you've never paused to think about, like, how much time do we really have. And the conversations that you need to have over the next 17 weeks, they need to hear you tell stories that you've never told before. They need to hear you be vulnerable in a way that you've never been vulnerable before. Some of you, you're like 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, and here's what I want to tell you. And I want to tell you this because I was a middle school pastor for a very, 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 very long time, right? That's not true, about nine years. And here's what I want to tell you around these 6th, 7th, and 8th grade years. As you're walking into middle school these years going saying this, and here's what you're saying this is incredibly difficult and it's incredibly hard and it's incredibly painful and there are moments when it feels like your kid loves you and there are moments when it feels like my kid hates me and there are everything in between and the days are long the years are so short and every moment here's what I to tell you middle school parents every moment that you're tempted to lean away from them because of the tension in the relationship you need to know that you have 329 weeks left lean in. How important is it for you to be the one who leans in even when there's tension? And then if you're in this phase or up here, we're kind of up here, right? Here's what I would say to you. Is that you have a gift that so many parents wish that they had. And that gift is looking at these weeks in a way where you do it intentionally. Where you acknowledge that it's finite and what you do matters so much. So here's how I want to wrap up um, today. Is I asked you to do this last week. I'd love for you to do it again if, if you feel like it's helpful. I'd love for you to pull out your phones for just a second. And what I want to do is I'm going to put a few statements up here that I think you should take a picture of when it comes to these. And we're going to do this every week of the series uh, because I think it matters that you have these really clear action steps when it comes to the time you have left, there's a few things that you can do around this. You can take a picture of it. I'll move out of the way. You know, that way I'm not in it. There's a couple things that I think you need to remember uh, when you think about the time that you have. First thing is this, right? That you have to command the rhythms of your week, but you don't allow your week to command your rhythms. Now, here's what I mean by this, right? It's so important. And I've struggled with this so much, right? Is that you have to be the one who says, I'm taking responsibility for what happens in my week, because no one else is going to take responsibility for that. Your boss will never take responsibility for the rhythms that happen in your week. Only you can do that. Only you can show up and be the mom or the dad of your kids, right? You've got to command the rhythms of your week, but don't allow your week to command your rhythms. Don't allow all the other influences to do that, right? So I think you have to reorder in your calendar to prioritize how you navigate that. The other one is this, and we said this a few weeks ago, but I, would, I would still want to say it again. For those of you who have a cell phone, which I think is almost all of us, right? You need to, and I know, you know, we say this all the time. You've got to figure out a way to put it away so that you can look your kids in the eyes. Right? That's one of the most difficult things to do. I know it's difficult to do. I struggled with it so much. I struggled with it last night. You've got to put your phone away so that you can look your kids in the eye. Here's the goal for you. Your goal for this week is to look your son or daughter in the eyes while they're talking. That's the goal. When you learn how to do that, all of a sudden it begins to shift a lot of things. And the other thing is this, and, and I think this is so important. When it comes to the time that you have, you need to figure out a way to recognize milestones, right? Driving is a big milestone. That needs to be bookmarked. Some of you, you need to take your son or daughter camping when they hit a certain age. Some of you, you need to prioritize the conversation around sex and make that a milestone right? When they graduate kindergarten, that needs to be a milestone. And some of you are like me, and you're not bent towards like big celebratory things. That's totally okay. I am not bent that way at all, but you got to still figure out how to do it. Because what's going to matter, right, after they leave the house, and I've heard this from so many people, and it's so true, it's not going to be all the wisdom that you imparted and the ways that you said it, because you didn't say it perfectly anyway. They're going to remember the times that were spent with you, and those milestones and those events are going to be what shape their life. Second one is this. I think early you need to figure out a way to connect them to a tribe to communicate belonging, right? Now, this one's hard, especially if you're not a highly relational individual. They need a people group or a group of people that are around them that they know and, they, and that you know. Some of you, like you, you drive your kids in a minivan all over the place to soccer and whatever that is, you know, which is great. That's the best time to eavesdrop, right? I'm going to give you a trick. This is just me. Here's what you do. You go in and you, you cut on music. I'm, I'm hooking you up. You ready? And then you turn the fader all the way to the back so the music's in the back. That way it's not up front. You can listen in. They don't even know it, right? That was worth the whole day. You're welcome, right? So you got to figure that out, right? You need to make sure. Here's the other one. Family dinners. I know this is so hard for people and it's still hard. The, the family dinner thing is so important. And you can do it around whatever it is that you do with TV trays or any of that stuff. But the fact that you're sitting with each other matters. I don't know why food matters so much, but it just, it just matters. And then the last one is this, and, and, and I got one other thing to show you is this. You need to foster fun to build a connection. Most parents that I talk to that have the most tension in their families, right? And I don't, I don't know why this is the case, but it's true. Most parents who have that kind of tension, right, haven't fostered fun, right? Now, that, you can foster fun and still have tension, But the families that foster the most fun, I feel like, oftentimes have great relationships. Now, a friend of mine, he's a lead pastor at Clinton Township. His name is Chris Zarbaugh. He is so much fun. He's a brilliant guy. Um, What he started doing, he started drawing on his kids' uh, sandwich bags, right? And he's a really good artist, so they were really, really good. If I did that, it would be a stick figure that looked really weird. But that's what he did. And here's why he did it. And I love this. I was talking to him about it. Part of the reason he did it because his daughter came home one time, the first time that he did it, and he didn't take much time to do it. And it just, she's like, that was so cool, Dad. And he's done it almost every day since. Now, here's what she did. She took all those bags, all those bags, and she's going to graduate high school in a year and a half, I think, a year and a half. She's got all these bags from fifth grade on. You know what's amazing about their relationship and just observing it from the outside? is he has so many chips to be able to talk with her about things. Because they've had fun. Now, that's, that's hard for me to do, but I think you've got to figure that out. So here's what I'm going to say to some of you who are like me. You need to loosen up. Everything's not so serious, I promise. You need to loosen up a little bit. The other thing is this. You need to learn what it is that they like as an individual. Right? I love this. Uh, Andy Stanley was talking about this one time. He's like, my daughter, if I want to have a conversation with her, what I need to do is we need to play a Taylor Swift song on guitar... And then we'll talk about what happened at school, and then eventually she'll open up. And I love that. So my first, sor- my first son, I walk in, and I'm like, I'm direct, and I, Here's what we're doing. And he and he gets it, right? My daughter's so different. Some of you have multiple kids. You're like, you need to recognize that they're different, and you need to learn how to communicate specifically with them. And the other thing around that is got to figure out a way to lose the agenda that you always walk into the room with. Because I, I do this, too, in all, most relationships you got to walk in knowing what it is that you, you know, kind of want to see happen. But at the same time, create space for fun and energy and putting that aside for time so you can eventually get there. So. Last thing I want to tell you, and and then we're going to wrap up, is is I think you can look at the marble thing. Some of you need to do the marble thing, but there's a really easy way to go about this. And part of the reason I had you out your phone is because I would love for you to do this here in the service today, especially if you're a parent. Um, And and I want to go to this this slide where we talk through the the app if we can. Let's go to this app slide real quick. Now, this is my phone, right? This is my son because he's our background. But this is the app. It's called the Parent Q app. Now, what this does is it tells you how many weeks you have left And then it prompts you, based off of the phase of life that your kid is in, on things that you can do that week to make it count, right? Now, I love this app because it gives you fun things that you can do with your kids. It gives you scripture stuff that you can look at. But the thing that is so haunting and so powerful to me, and I open it at least once or twice a week, is this. Is this little time thing gets less and less and less the older your son or daughter gets. It tells you how many weeks you have left at the top. And the part recently that's been tough is it tells you how many weeks they've been around so far, right? Some of you have been tracking this. Henry's been around for 97 weeks. That much time has gone by. This is how much I have left. 839-ish weeks until graduation. Now, here's what, Some of you are like, that's gut-wrenching. I don't want to do that. That's a terrible idea, right? Now, here's why it matters, right? Here's why it matters. It's because if you don't have the time in front of you, that time is going to slip away. And you're not going to be intentional about it. Some of you need to do this for your grandkids. Now, when you do this, you simply go to the app store, whatever app store that you use. Type in the ParentQ app. You can download it. It takes about 35 seconds to get going. But some of you need to keep this at the forefront of your mind consistently. And the reason is this, and we've said it already. Because when you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more. So, uh, to end our service today, what we're doing um, is we're going to do a song, and typically we'll do a song where we ask you to stand, and we ask you to sing, and, you know, you do the whole deal, and uh, but today we're going to do a different kind of worship song by the great theologian Taylor Swift. Um, the song is called Never Grow Up, right? You're like, that's cruel, I know. <laughs> but here's why I wanted to do it to end our time, is, you know, when I ask you to sing, But I want you just for a moment, for those of you who are in the room who are parents or your crazy uncles or you have kids that you care about, I want you for the next few moments to think about the time that you have and and the words that this song acknowledges and that what we want for our kids is to freeze time to be a specific thing, but knowing that we can't do that. You can't. But what you can do is show up in every single phase and be intentional. And what you can do is show up every single phase and be the best husband the best father and the best mom best wife in every single phase that you can possibly be and then one day when you drop them off at school for college or they graduate or whatever that is that you'll know that with every single one of the marbles that you were given to be a steward of that you managed it well and it sent you into a season later on where it mattered and then for those of you here in the room over the next couple of minutes who are empty nesters, or your kids are gone, or your grandparent at this phase, some of you look back, and what you have, right, and this is always hard, it's always hard to talk about this, but you have regret when it comes to some of the phases that you've experienced. And here's what I want to tell you around this, right? And I, and I say this almost all the time when we talk about family stuff, but I want to tell you this again. Is that though you wish you could have done certain things different, every parent gets to that phase. And some of you are in a place where there's this distance and disconnect between you and your son or daughter at this phase. Here's what I'll tell you. Is that if your jar is empty now, that doesn't mean that you stop leaning in to the relationship. It doesn't matter how many times that they told you that they don't want you around. It doesn't matter how many times that you felt angry and they felt angry. It doesn't matter that you haven't talked in a year, three years, five years. None of that matters. What matters is what you're going to do with the time you have now, even with an empty jar, and whether or not you're going to lean into the relationship. And every single time I have this conversation, somebody says, you know, but they don't want me to. And I'm just going to tell you, that is not true. They can say that all the time. They may push you out. They may push you 99 times, but you show up 100 times. And in that phase of life, if you're like, my jar is empty and I feel disconnected, what I'm going to tell you is this. Foster the friendship and the relationship in that phase of life because it still matters so much because you still only have a certain amount of time left. It's just different now. And what you do with the time that you have left in your kid's life still matters no matter how much they push you away or say that they don't want you to do that. So I'm going to pray for us. uh, And then Shauna and the band are going to sing this song and then I'll come back up and wrap us up. Let's pray together. Father, um, yeah, we come into these kinds of moments with all sorts of emotions and questions and concerns. And Did we do it right? Are we doing it right? Do we know what we need to do like all sorts of questions around that? Um, Father, I know that sometimes it just feels like time is infinite, it just moves by, and that this phase is going to last forever, but it doesn't. So pray for every parent who's in a phase parenting where it feels so difficult and they show up but they just feel beat down or like it's not working or there's a struggle Father I ask that you would help us to navigate those moments well and God I pray for every parent in the room who has got a junior or senior in high school, they've got 17 weeks you know, I don't know 60 something weeks, 70 weeks left I pray that they would run into these moments full hearted everything they have, passing along wisdom. And then God, I pray for every emptiness from the room who's going, I wish I'd have done things differently or I, I hate that there's this disconnect in our home or between me and my kids. God, I pray that you would give them the courage and the boldness to run into those relationships with all their heart. And God, I pray that you would meet them in those moments and that you would do what you do and that's bring about redemption and holiness to brokenness. Just do the same repentance. Amen.
5: Your little hands wrapped to don't you ever grow up, don't you ever grow up, just stay this little, oh, darling don't you ever grow up, don't you ever grow up, it could still be simple, won't let nobody hurt you, won't let no one break your heart, no one will desert you, just try to never, dropping you off at 14 there's just so much that you can do and you can't wait to move out someday Just try to never grow up. Take pictures in your mind of your childhood room. Memorize what it sounded like when your dad gets home. Remember the much colder than I thought it would be, so I tuck myself in and turn the night light on. Wish I'd never grown up. I wish I'd never grown up. I don't want to grow up. Wish I'd never grown Don't you ever...
2: See how much time you have left. You tend to do more. Thanks so much for being here. I want to tell you one uh, thing before we wrap up. Uh, Next week, we are going to be talking specifically about how to navigate conflict in your family. And we'd love for you to join us next week. And then bring somebody with you because the one thing that's true about all of us is we all have conflict in our family. So join us for that. Uh, And then we also want to remind you that we have the bookstore out in the lobby. All the content, really, that we're talking about over the course of this series is is found in some of these books. And uh, we feel like those would be helpful next step for you. Thanks so much for being here. And we'll see you right back here next Sunday.
0: so much for joining us online i wanted to grab patrick hey thanks for your message today yeah i wanted to ask you specifically what are some of the things that you find to work well with your family on a day-to-day basis like how do you find time when you're working and your wife is working and you've got a toddler that's
2: right so we have like a (laughs) two-year-old and then we both work full-time and you know all that stuff yeah uh almost two-year-old and so yeah you know i think for us we're trying to navigate like how do we be present that was one of the things we talked about specifically in the talk Phone down, was like to navigate some yeah. of those things? Some really practical things for us is we've done like the phone bucket in our house, right? So you come home, I really want to, the first, especially 10, 15 minutes, prioritize that with my son and my wife. and So yeah. put the phone in a little basket thing, basket, not bucket. Trying to picture a bucket, yeah. Mm. Uh, a little basket, and we try to just be done with it at least for. Underwater? A bit. Underwater, yeah. I right, we'll yeah. have an oh, iPhone, so we're going All right, yeah. There, there. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's an easy way to do that, yeah. that, that helps. The other thing, too, is we actually uh, specifically talk about how much time we have left. So I I think the Parent app is extraordinarily important for this stuff. But we talk about, like, how many weeks we have? And most of the time, you know, my wife it's really gut-wrenching, and it is for me, too. But we go, like, hey, what do we want to do with this phase and this season? And we hope that Henry learns, not just in, like, cognitively, but, like, what does he feel and what does he know about us and about God? And so we, we do that, and I think that's really forced us in times where the rhythms were off and we weren't doing like reading or praying or anything like that together. that helps us to go oh we need to, we need to course correct get back on yeah because it's fine right, so, right. anyway yeah yeah cool. Yeah. thanks yeah, so much well, for thanks asking so much. thanks so much for watching too we're so glad that you guys are watching <laughs> we'll see you later man. thanks Patrick
0: hey thanks for joining us online we really are glad that you are with us today and hey if you are in the Traverse City area we'd love to see you in person. I hope that you were challenged, but also encouraged that we can really use this time together that we have as a family and use it well. Well, we'll see you next time.